In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth? I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave me the fear of my sin. O Almighty God and merciful Father, I, a poor and miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto you, and in the stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
God you gave your Son into the hands of sinful men who killed him. Forgive us when we reject your unfailing love and grant us the fullness of your salvation through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament lesson from the fifth chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill, and he dug it, and he cleared it of stones, and he planted it with choice vines, and he built a watchtower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, and it shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, and for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle lesson from the third chapter of Philippians. If anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law blameless, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. 
the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. And Jesus said, Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. And when the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. And finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived what he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. This is the gospel of our Lord. Confessing our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
friends, in our Lord, our text is the parable that you heard a moment ago, the parable of the wicked tenants paying particular attention to these words. The tenants took his servants, beat one and killed one and stoned another. And again he sent other servants more than the first and they did likewise to them. And then last of all he sent his son. So far our text. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The writer of the book of Hebrews begins his epistle with these words. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. The parable today points out the fact that in many and various ways, God's people of old dismissed those prophets and did away with those prophets by which God spoke. They didn't much like the message, so they killed God's messengers. Recall that God sent to them the prophet Isaiah with a message. Because Isaiah spoke against the church and state-sponsored idolatry, Isaiah was fastened, tradition has it, between two planks, and he was sawn in half. God sent Jeremiah, who spoke unwaveringly, unwaveringly against sin, calling sin what it is, calling a spade a spade, and preaching judgment because of Israel's persistence in it, But he was bludgeoned to death with stones. God sent Amos to curb the greed and the injustice that festered beneath and below the surface of Israel's bustling economy and their bulging geographic borders. But no repentant fruit received. Israel didn't much like the message. So tortured and slayed and disposed of God's messenger. God sent Habakkuk to soften the heart and the stubborn hearts of the men of Judah, but they wouldn't listen. Not liking the message, the Jews stoned Habakkuk until he lay lifeless. God sent also Ezekiel to his people in their darkest days. The Babylonian captivity, Ezekiel warned against the worship of false gods. The message rejected. The messenger, Ezekiel, is said to have been strung to horses and dragged through the streets. Of course, God sent also as the last of the prophets, John the Baptist who pulled no punches in accusing sinners of sin, calling them to repentance, and you know what became of John. The message was rejected. The messenger silenced when Herod beheaded this prophet of the Most High, as he's called. You see, in many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by these prophets, So often they just didn't want to hear what he had to say. In today's parable, Christ reminds the Jews of his day just how those those prophets and that message of old was received. The vineyard owner sent his servants to the tenants that they might receive its fruit, the fruit of this vineyard. The vine dressers took his servants and they beat one and they killed one and they stoned another and he sent more. And they did likewise to them. Christ's words here, his words to those to whom he spoke, is quite an indictment, isn't it, against the church of old? In fact, the church could be charged here on two accounts. Not only only did they not like the message and reject the message, but the church killed the messenger. Jerusalem. 
Christ said, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. But I want to take you back to the first words of the epistle to the Hebrews. The words we began with today because the author wasn't finished in speaking of the spokesman that God sent. In many and various ways, he writes, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But then he adds this, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. You see, you know how the parable continues. And it is remarkable when you think about it that after having servant upon servant, beaten and broken and bludgeoned and brutalized and buried, it's remarkable to think that God would send his beloved son. It's remarkable to think that he'd send his one and only to this people whose record of rejection and resistance was long and tried and very true. Certainly it's not reasonable to think that he would. Remarkable, though. He must love mankind that much. Because you know how the parable continues. He did send his son. He sent his son and his son... St. John, the evangelist, writes, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They rejected him, too. They hated the message. Martin Luther puts it so well in that remark that's printed in the front of your service folder. If you have time later to, to take a look, I encourage you to do it. Martin Luther says, they didn't know what much to make of this. This one who came tearing down their self righteous ways. Luther says he didn't fit. Christ didn't fit. He disfigured their building that they were constructing. They didn't much like the message. And so they killed the messenger. They threw him out of the vineyard. They crucified him. It's tragic. It's wicked indeed without a doubt. It's inexcusable and absolutely so. And so we might say, yes, and shame on them for it, but what does it have to do with you and me? What does it really have to do with us here and now, some 20 centuries removed from that very time when the Son was delivered over into the hands of sinners and delivered up? What does it have to do with you and me? Well, friends, the rejection of God's Word no matter under which form it comes, is a problem. It's a problem not only for the church of old, it's a problem for the church of every age. We may not have betrayed Christ to the religious leaders or conspired to take his life. Our hands may not have been the hands that fixed him to the cross or may not have been the hand that received those 30 pieces of betrayal. Maybe we didn't kill the prophets and manhandle those sent, but but there are many more ways and more subtle ways indeed, but equally sinful ways to reject God's word. Think about it. Think about it like his people of old. Have we disregarded God's word by disregarding those who deliver it? 
Does the church everywhere affirm what Christ did of those that he's sent? He who hears you, hears me. Do we in our own lives, individually so, do we partition or saw, if you will, God's word in half? Choosing only to value the part of it that doesn't infringe upon our chosen way of life? Or do we perhaps drag it through the streets, as it were, profaning it as ordinary or less? Or do we, like some before us, simply choose not to hear it? Many and various, you see, are the ways to reject the message of that vineyard owner when it comes. And it's a problem, as I say, not only for the church, the people of the church of God, it's a problem, too, for the leaders of the church of every age as well. And you notice something interesting in the gospel text for today. Matthew tells us that the chief priests, remember at the end of the reading, he said the chief priests and the Pharisees perceived, and rightly so, perceived in this parable that Jesus was speaking of them. Who were they but the leaders of the church of their day, the professional expounders, explainers, preachers, proclaimers, teachers of the message, the ones who should have been cultivating repentance and the fruit of repentance. And indeed it's true, age after age, leaders within the church, certainly guilty of that, of of going the way of leaders of old, so tempting it is in every age to disregard the full counsel, the whole counsel, the complete counsel of God's word. And all around us we see and hear of churches in Christendom doing just that, mitigating or lessening or diminishing the proclamation of God's judgment against sin, the law. God's law that would drive us to that very repentance of which Christ spoke. And why is it so often done? Well, it's supposed that the message would be far more palatable to people and attractive and less offensive to the world. But what, though, does God say about changing the message, about adding sweetener and, and saccharin when God's recipe is called for salt? What does God say? To his watchman, he said, through his prophet, warn them for me, he says. For when I say that the wicked shall surely die and you do not speak to warn them, the wicked shall yet die in his iniquity. But his blood I'll require at your hand. You see, changing the message to any degree is rejecting the message to that very degree. And in our age, certainly, there's a pandering, too, to the permissiveness of the postmodern mindset that suggests that what's, what's true for, for me may not be true for you or for others, for someone else. Refusing to hear his son, has the message been forgotten that was spoken to us through his son? When his son said to the Father, your word is truth. When Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life. In every age, leaders in the church, too, are tempted to compromise in an, in an attempt to satisfy the insatiable demands of the culture of the time, surrendering the timeless authority of God's word to the suggestion that old, these old and ancient scriptures, certainly, they don't still apply in our new and our changing times. 
refusing to hear his prophet. Has been rejected then the message that God spoke through the prophet? I am the Lord, he said, and I do not change. And though heaven and earth would pass away, my word, mark it, will never pass away. Not only a, a lightening of the law, but also a dilution, a diluting of the gospel has been a problem. So that human efforts are said to be the cornerstone of assurances. How is it? So often the measure of one's Christian commitment to a dying world, one's zeal, replaces so subtly, replaces Christ's, the emphasis of Christ's commitment to this dying world. As the cornerstone and indicator of a sound Christian structure, you see what's done? One's love of God trumps the God of love. Paul spoke of this in the old, rather the epistle reading. He said, a Pharisee of Pharisees I was, one with zeal I had. But he said, I count this all as rubbish compared to Christ and what he's done. Hearers too often are directed to themselves to measure their faith instead of fixing eyes on Christ who is the author and the perfecter of it. See the rejection of God's word in so many and and various ways. Some refuse to hear, some hear what they want to hear. Some dress up and and cover up God's word so that it is eventually lost. And all of this really is depicted quite well with a little-known piece of American historical trivia. Did you know that no one knows exactly where the cornerstone of the Washington Monument really lies? It's true, the, the precise location of that sturdy capstone of that grand obelisk near the tallest in the world remains a mystery undoubtedly covered up and lost track of in the construction of the monument. And so it is with those who cover up God's word, rejecting it as it is, and trying to make it something that it's not. It's a tragedy. Because in the end, the cornerstone is hidden and covered up and it's lost. To the person, each and every one of us is guilty with the tenant's guilty hands. To the person... Each of us should heed with fear the stern warning that Christ issues with this parable today. If you continue to reject, you will be rejected. For the stone that the builders of all of these humanly devised systems of salvation, the stone that the builders rejected... The stone God has made the the cornerstone. The chief capstone. You see, unlike the capstones of history that may be dusted out out of sight by the sands of time or, or simply lost in man's building projects, this cornerstone will not be. It will not be. Either you'll stand by grace upon it, or as Christ said, you'll be crushed. And condemned under it. But you think about what God the Father did for you. You think about what the owner of the vineyard 
did for you. And you can be certain where God the Father intends for you to be. Knowing how his beloved son would indeed be received by the hands of men, he sent him anyway. Knowing that tenant's hands couldn't nail his son to the cross fast enough, he sent him deliberately. Knowing that the rock of divine justice would come crushing down upon his son, so that it need never come down on you or me, he sent his son lovingly. For mark his message and receive it well. Through the prophet Isaiah, he has said, It pleased the Lord to crush him. It pleased the Lord to crush him and to make his soul an offering for our sin. Knowing what would be done to his son, he sent him lovingly in the son. The son with equal love for you lovingly went. <coughs> the son lovingly went and, and yet he still comes. He still comes to tend to his vineyard most faithfully. Most loyally to us against the tide of human resistance and, and rejection. He sends regularly and predictably a forgiving and a saving grace by His Word, and by baptismal water, and by the sacrament of the vineyard. And that bread and, and that wine, His very body and blood to us. And through these things, what does He do? Forgives us certainly so, but through these things He also changes our naturally tenant-like hands so that they drop the sword of resistance. They drop the swords of resistance and they take in hand the plowshares that work in his vineyard for the fruit of repentance. Think of what God has done for you and you'll recognize that by his grace you're resting securely right where he intends for all people to be. Securely upon Christ the cornerstone. This is the cornerstone of confidence that God's people of all time and the leaders in the church of every age have had. It's their confidence. It's the cornerstone of confidence that compelled apostles and evangelists to deliver God's word no matter what came of them. Matthew preached until he too was slain by the sword. Mark until he was dragged through the streets of Alexandria. Did he confess Christ? Luke confessed him until he was hanged from an olive tree. Stephen, until he was stoned. Peter, until he was crucified upside down. James, the greater, until he was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and then beaten to death. Bartholomew, until he was flayed alive. And the list goes on and it goes on. But it does go on and on because these messengers and these confessors of God... They knew what the prophets of old knew. And together they share and did share the same life confidence that we share with them and with the hymnist who penned these words that we'll now sing. That Christ is our cornerstone. On Him alone we build. With His true saints alone the courts of heaven are filled. On His great love 
our hopes we place of present grace and joys above. Rise now and sing with me the post-sermon hymn, Christ is our Cornerstone, hymn number 912.
gathered in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who with the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with our Father, which is in heaven. We pray as he bids us for our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world, for one another, and for all people in their time of need, we pray. Holy Father, you have called people out of every nation to be your church through faith in the redeeming sacrifice of your Son. May his work ever be our confession, and may his word ever be our protection. As we contend for the faith delivered to his saints in every time and every place, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Through your church, O Father, you prepare and ordain men for the office of the holy ministry to distribute the forgiveness of sins to your people through your word and sacraments. Through these means of grace, sustain your church and keep her faithfully founded upon her cornerstone, faithful to your holy calling. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Lord God, you have instituted government for the blessing of those who do civil good and to restrain the doing of evil. Guide us as we prepare to elect new leaders for our country and state and communities and protect and guide all who make, administer, and enforce the laws of our land and judge according to them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Protect those among us who cannot protect themselves, especially the unborn and the aged and infirm. Guide and protect our military personnel, especially those in hostile places of this world, that when their duty is completed, they may return safely to those who love and miss them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord God, grant your blessing upon all of the institutions of learning in our land to professors and teachers, give diligence in the performance of their duties and create within students an eagerness to learn all that is true and right. Keep our schools safe from violence and through them prepare children to be good citizens of our land and productive members of our society. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O God of all compassion, look with mercy upon all whose homes or businesses have been destroyed by fire, wind, or water, and upon all those who, because of the economic challenges of our times, are insecure about the future. Give us confidence in your promise to provide us with all things truly needful. And through times such as these, give us that faith that clings to Christ rather than to the fleeting things of this world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. With all who celebrate anniversaries of birth or baptism or marriage blessings this week, we give thanks. And we pray also for those who gratefully remember the years of marriage that they have shared with those that you have in your divine wisdom called home to heaven. To that end, hear our prayer for Ellie Heinz who with husband Dennis would have this week celebrated the 50th anniversary of their marriage. Bless Ellie through her memories and through the faith in Christ which she shared with Dennis, who now enjoys faith's eternal blessings. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. You give us, O Father, our bodies and souls, our eyes, our ears, and all our members, our reason, and all our senses, and still preserve them. Keep the sick among us, the suffering. Keep the recovering in your constant care. According to your gracious will, grant them substantial healing. Comfort and strengthen them through your word and sacraments, that their trust in you may be renewed and built up in the midst of their afflictions. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. You gave your Son as the one sacrifice for all sin, as he now gives his very body and very blood under the form of bread and wine, May all who partake of it eat his body and drink his blood, do so in repentance and faith, 
that their sins would be forgiven, that they may be fortified in him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. You know, Holy Father, what best to grant us of those things we've asked. Answer our prayers according to your abundant mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and praise and power now and forever. Amen. So the Lord be with you. salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you holy lord almighty father everlasting god through jesus christ our lord who having created all things took on human flesh and was born of the virgin mary for our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people and therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and saying,
The peace of the Lord be with you always.
unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. O God the Father, the fountain and the source of all goodness who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. We ask you not to forsake your children but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you.